Welcome to Disambiguation. I'm your host, Michael Fawcett. Each week, we interview experts in AI, generative AI, and business automation to help business leaders understand how to use these tools for the biggest business impact. In our show today, we look at the role of automation and AI and data management. I'm joined by Gaurav Patek, VP of Product Management at Informatica. Welcome, Gaurav. Um, so just to get this started, could you uh, give us a little bit about yourself, talk about your role a, a bit at uh, Informatica? Sure. And thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me uh, on your podcast today. Uh, I, I love to be here to talk about uh, AI for data management. Uh, I uh, lead uh, product management here at Informatica for AI initiatives and metadata. Uh, I've been with Informatica for 10 years uh, working on products like the cloud data governance and catalog, enterprise data catalog, big data management suite, etc. And before that, I've spent uh, 10 years with Oracle. So, so I've spent almost all of my career in data and uh, data management. Uh, and uh, we, we all live in exciting times. Uh, AI uh, is upon us. And uh, I, I think uh, this is a great space to be in if you're doing data management now, given the new possibilities that AI provides. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously this whole podcast has really been focused around that and a bunch of my research. And I, I, I get excited when I, I think about the opportunities for businesses. And, you know, one of the areas that I think is really um, is foundational for everything, of course, is the data. And so that's why I'm excited for us to dig into this a little bit and, and understand more about what uh, you're offering and where you think that's going from a, a data management and an automation perspective as well. So maybe you could start by giving us a, a bit of an overview on Claire and its purpose and kind of how it sits in the Informatica portfolio. Sure. Uh, Claire for us is Informatica's AI engine that provides number one productivity benefits to the data teams. These are data engineers, data analysts, data scientists, data stewards, data reliability engineers across uh, these different functions working with data as their day-to-day -day jobs. And number two, uh, providing data democratization benefits to business users. Uh, we uh, in business who are uh, working on our day-to-day -day jobs, we need uh, data for everything. We need data for making new decisions. We need data for making predictions. And uh, that's been one area where uh, a lot of challenges have been there. So, so we, we started Claire uh, as uh, a project within Informatica all the way back in 2016 for these two benefits. And underlying all of this, our approach is to use um, our understanding of an organization's data assets to provide capabilities that you know provide um, these benefits to uh, both of these different audiences. So th there is a story about you know how we got into it, which is um, we've been in the metadata space for a very long time, more than two decades. Uh, uh, Informatica is uh, uh, very uh, old, you know is a data integration, data management company. We've been around for a very long time. We started as an ETL provider with uh, mm -hmm. software like Power Center. And then we uh, started getting requirements from our users about how do we, uh, you know, we're creating all these data pipelines that are moving data from applications into data warehouses like Teradata. How can we debug them? How can we understand them better? And uh, we created tools for them. Uh, we, we called them super glue. These, these were for uh, data engineers to, to be able to debug their pipelines, understand whether the data landed properly or, or not. And 
that was the first use of metadata for us within informatica uh, right and metadata is data about data assets itself mm-hmm. like uh, you know you may have a customer table that has you know all the data about your uh, 100000 customers but the metadata about it is uh what are the different attributes of customers mm-hmm. that you're interested in capturing um what is the freshness of this customer table are there any errors when the pipeline last mm-hmm. ran uh, uh you know uh, uh, so that you know you're all you're getting in the report is the right customer data and so on so so that's how we started but about mm-hmm. 2016 things were changing uh, there was this customer big healthcare provider uh, and then they they were here at informatica's offices and uh, they were talking about their problem and it was very interesting they were talking about uh, how they have these 20000 plus known databases within their uh, organization and they had no idea what was inside of them uh, right and every time somebody is asking oh, where is my patient data or where is my claims data where is my x data y data they had no way to point them to okay this is the right database to go to mm-hmm. so for us that was a big change it was a, a new way in which we had to think about metadata it was not just about oh these are the attributes or this is for data engineers to uh, debug their pipelines mm-hmm. we we started thinking about metadata as a way of um, users understanding what data assets uh, they have getting to them finding discovering uh, governing mm-hmm. finding the right quality of those data set mm-hmm. finding the quality of those data assets i think that's where we realized metadata could play a big part mm. and and that's where claire started uh, you know because when we looked at those 20000 databases among all the good things of you know there were 20000 databases the other thing that we found was that uh you know the thing uh, the things within those databases tables columns views and, and files they were not named properly uh, mm. a, a table was containing patient data maybe called tab underscore pack or god for uh, you know for file1.csv and uh, the the key ask from uh, the folks was that when i'm searching for patient data i should be able to get that tab underscore pack uh, table or the file1.csv mm. so we started clear as uh, as an engine that can fill in the gaps of an organization's metadata we we wrote all these uh, uh, deep dive scanners as we call them that extracted this metadata from these databases but then clear properly started categorizing them labeling them saying mm-hmm. that oh, this data looks like patient data or this table uh, looks like it contains pii data because it has first names last name addresses mm. and and that's where claire started and of course mm. from there we evolved it into doing a lot more uh, you know for yeah. all these uh, and, and is that the the what you call i think the intelligent meta uh, metadata driven engine and, and that i think is a is a differentiator from what i've seen at least in the data management space so how does that um from a ai machine learning technology how does that help uh with the data quality we um uh, for us uh, i i think there are three big differentiators for us uh, uh, as far as informatica is concerned number one uh, like we we talked about our understanding of an organization's metadata because we spent a lot of time in making sure that automated processes like clear like our scanners are able to understand or organize a customer's data set as a metadata knowledge graph 
Sure. Second, uh, our uh, differentiation comes from our more than three decades now experience in uh, data management projects. So we understand what data quality looks like, mm. how data pipelines look like, what a data governance project looks like, and being able to train our AI and now large language models on those um, is a differentiator. And finally, uh, in the cloud, intelligent data management cloud is our offering. Uh, that's that's the offering that most of our uh, customers use now. Um, that's that has all the capabilities required for data management, whether it is cataloging, mm. governance, marketplace, quality integration. So, mm. marrying all these three together, I think, uh, brings in the differentiation for Informatica. I think it's very hard to get. Like with data quality, uh, the question you asked, uh, data quality is a hard problem. It is a problem that, uh, you know, where things can go wrong at multiple levels, uh, right from where you're observing these data sets, uh, all the way down to where you are, uh, you know, trying to use this data in data science pipelines for training and, and, and validation. Definitely. So um, for us, being able to understand okay, this is the particular concept that we are dealing with. We, we may be dealing with uh, customer churn. We may be dealing with fraud. We may be dealing with uh, predicting, uh, you know, any of the things that AIs can predict today. But for us, being able to say, this is what we're dealing with. And um, uh, these are the right data quality rules that have to be created for it. So again, mm. metadata comes into play. We look at, let's say, a file called file1.csv with uh, you know multiple columns. You can say, okay, this column looks like an address uh, 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 data set. And if there's an address, then the we, we try to find if there is a zip code. And zip codes should match the street uh, addresses. Mm. We automatically run those data quality rules based on that metadata. Uh, Claire does that and then automatically creates those uh, data quality scores. That's how. Um, you know, that, that, that makes sense. So, so I know uh, you talked about intelligent data management cloud, and I know uh, recently you announced um, some additions uh, in the generative AI uh, world. So Claire GPT, I think, was one. And then I believe you also had an assistant or a co-pilot like um, uh, offering. So how, how does that um, elevate the functions of this intelligent data management cloud? Sure. Uh, intelligent data management cloud, as we've been in the AI business uh, and AI for data management business since 2018, it, it was not as cool as it is today. Like everybody's talking uh -huh. about AI because of generative right. AI, uh, right? But we, over that period, brought about 20 plus capabilities in intelligent data management cloud. Those include things like automated data quality, the example that I was giving you, automated data pipelines, automatically doing entity matching and so on. But with generative AI, we now have more possibilities um, of what we can do with data management, especially in the user experience uh, side, where uh, being able to understand what the user is trying to do, uh, whether it is to create a new data quality rule, whether it is uh, to generate a new pipeline, whether it is to create a new master data record, and then having uh, all the software work for them in uh, in the context of the project, the data management project that they are doing. I don't think generative AI is still at a place where it can do entire jobs on its own. Uh, right. It is uh, 
it still requires a lot of human hand holding uh, right it does not excel uh, at at multiple things we'll talk about that but right now being able to, it, it's still even at its early stages uh, right it came out uh, chat gpt came out in november uh, of last yeah. year it's only been less than a year and 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 we can already see a lot of potential in how we can use generative ai for generating data management code automatically being able to do all these data management tasks so that's what clear gpt is about mm-hmm. uh, right and then uh, we are uh, going to release the first version of that product uh, early next year it's already in um, private review with uh, some of sure. our, our customers well i mean you talked about um the whole idea the whole concept around democratizing the way that companies can use their data so i mean obviously the data scientist uh, you know data quality all of that is a function but you, you you know from the other end of it from the end user end of it i wonder because certainly a, a you know a gpt engine can be much more conversational and and really let you use you know natural language to interact with things is that a part of this idea does it does it really become more of a front-end tool also so that you can open this up to more users and give them more capabilities absolutely that's one of our goals uh where uh, we want users to be able to use natural language and Mm. talk to their data assets uh like they would talk to uh, a data analyst or a data engineer to get them answer to a question that uh, they're looking for. But of course, it, it, it's a hard problem. Before all of this existed, before generative AI, um, uh, we provided these business users, uh, uh, you know, uh, software, uh, self-service BI tools like Power BI or Tableau and, 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 and other tools mm-hmm. for them to be able to make sense of data. But what we didn't provide them was information about the data assets itself, uh, mm-hmm. right? Is oh, is this the right data asset for doing your self-service BI analysis? And uh, and what that resulted in is, uh, you know, we, we called it uh, jokingly data brawls, uh, right? Which is that uh, two people coming in the same meeting, arguing about the same metric because they used something totally different or uh, this. Uh, so those data brawls existed in the old world. Uh, uh, I think we need to be careful that uh, you know, with generative AI, it does not become LLM brawls uh, from here because LLM uh, get uh, uh, access to uh, incorrect data or bad quality data, uh, right? Sure. We can already see some of those with, you know, things like hallucinations. If it does not mm. know, it tries to hallucinate, uh, makes it up. So it's already bad uh, at getting to actual values. So for us, it's important that use of generative ai when we bring it to the enterprise it it's still in the con- is in the context of trusted high quality data that mm. everybody can agree on is uh, the right way sure no that makes sense so so fr- from the other side of this too what um i mean obviously we're offering an assistant and i assume that that also is something that helps uh, the the uh, data scientists and other you know data professionals in your business interact with that data in a more effective way as well. Is that is that correct? I mean, is it is it tied for both ends, both the user and the and the data team? Yes, uh, our goal is uh, for data teams for them to be able to create the first drafts mm-hmm. of their data management artifacts. So if it's a data engineer, for them to be able to create a first draft of their data data pipeline. If it's a data quality steward, for them to be able to create a data quality rule. 
if it's a data analyst being able to understand the data, explore the data before they use it in the report. Mm. We think it's still the first draft and not the entire task because we don't think right. generative AI is there yet where you can create the perfect pipeline or the perfect data quality rule just by natural language uh, interaction. Sure. Uh, so first you create that and then, then you tinker with it within our, uh, you know, made to uh, uh, made to the user experience tools uh, within intelligent data management. Mm -hmm. And for business users to be able to come to Claire GPT and ask a questions like how many customers did we get for product X in quarter three? Mm -hmm. And for, for having Claire GPT understand, number one, what is this query all about? What are the data assets I can go to to get the answer? checking whether the users have permissions to uh, mm. that as well. Otherwise, I could have asked the question, what is God of salary? And everybody will be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, right? So, so we yep. <laughs> that in and, and, and um, all of these together uh, to answer that question, I think that's, that's what is our goal with Claire GPT. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that, that really does change the way you can interact with the data. And, and it kind of takes it out of just the, you know, the idea of reporting, right? Because you're, you're really talking about on demand and, and it meets the need of this is what I'm trying to solve right now, or I'm trying to make a decision right now. So that, that sounds really powerful from a, a user perspective, particularly. Um, you know, one of the things that I've seen as I've talked to other uh, different enterprise um, application vendors is there's two really distinct approaches to how um, they're using those large language models. And, I know that um, you know for some for some companies they've been very closed. They've been very focused on maybe one partner or you know integrating with their own language model or whatever it might be. And then for other companies, they've taken a much more open approach so that you can pick the language model that suits what it is you're trying to do. And you could do multiple language models if there were different functions. So I'm curious about how um, you're approaching that from uh, Informatica's perspective around the large language models and how you're uh, interacting with them and, and which ones you support. Sure. Uh, for us, uh, Claire GPT is a mixture of experts uh, model. Uh, so it's, mm. it's more like the second approach that you described, Mike. Uh, sure. it, it, it's, it's about using um, these uh, smaller open source uh, language models uh, for the specific task uh, that we are going after. And uh, Claire GPT, for example, in version one will support four use cases, which is uh, data discovery, finding where my data mm. assets are, exploring the metadata and understanding what this file is all about, what's the data quality of something, mm. where is this data coming from, uh, data discovery, answering a question, what's my customer churn for Q3 for product X? Mm. And number four is creating uh, new uh, ELT data pipelines. Now, all these four use cases have a dedicated um, large language model for them. Uh, uh, right now, um, we are uh, looking at, uh, we are using actually OpenAI uh, for uh, the two of uh, two use cases that are currently in private preview, discovery and metadata uh, explore. We're also uh, training our own um, open source uh, large language models, models like Llama 2, Lama, models like yeah. Mistral, uh, Seven billion parameter model, which came out a few weeks ago, and is is great at the kind of smaller use cases that we've divided the problem into. So uh, our approach is to first provide uh, state of the art 
fine-tuned open source model for that particular task, discovery, metadata, explore, yeah. et cetera. And then eventually, even allowing uh, customers or partners to plug in their own models, uh, which may know more about their data uh, because uh, you know, we've not trained it on specific customer data sets as well. So that's, that's where we are going uh, with ClearGPT. Mm. So, so it strikes me, and, and I, you know, obviously, again, talking to a lot of different um, vendors and how they've approached this, um, how, because you're, obviously, you are um, using customer data, so I'm sure there's some concern around security and privacy issues. So how do you approach that in, in, your, uh, in the way you've implemented this? Absolutely. And um, uh, Informatica sells to Fortune 50, Fortune 100, Fortune 2000 companies. Yep. Most of them are financials and healthcare who are very, very secretive about uh, their data. Sure. So uh, that concern is top of mind of all of our customers. Is my data getting sent to third-party vendors who may uh, not be as uh, uh, prudent? Careful. Uh, <laughs> careful. How about careful? <laughs> with, uh, with their data, uh, right? So, and, and the security and compliance teams in these organizations are shutting down a lot of generative AI projects mm. for that, uh, right? They just are, uh, uh, they're not, uh, they, they don't trust the, the current uh, uh, user agreements, uh, user license agreements for a lot of these generative AI uh, providers. So for us, uh, when we look at generative AI capabilities, we cannot send data to a, a third-party provider. We cannot even send metadata sometimes to uh, third-party providers like the customer attributes uh, itself. Mm. That may be uh, specific to the customer. Our goal is then Let's say when somebody is doing a data discovery and somebody is asking, what are the data sets I can use to calculate customer churn? Mm -hmm. At that point, uh, we take that natural language query. Uh, we convert it into a graph query uh, for our catalog, which is where we store all of the metadata to, uh, to find out where the customer churn data sets are. That's the only use for large language models. It takes the query converts it into a graph query uh, for the catalog to understand. Sure. And then the graph query is launched against the customer's catalog. No data, metadata is exchanged mm. as part of this uh, uh, process. And we, we are doing the same thing for discovery, metadata explore, all of uh, the different layer GPT modules. So yes, um, all, all of this is top of mind for us. We don't want to store the prompts. We don't want to learn from uh, any of the metadata or data that customers provide. That's really our, uh, uh, that's why the customers will choose Informatica over, yeah. you know, startups who may do otherwise. Yeah. I mean, obviously for, especially the industries that you mentioned, uh, that's going to be uh, a, a key differentiator and a very important one, uh, both privacy and a security uh, issue as well. So that, that makes sense. Um, so a couple months ago, I did a AI adoption sur survey and study we published. And the number one challenge in preparing data for AI was listed as, um, as data quality. And we talked a little bit about that earlier, but I, I, I want to dig into that a little bit more uh, in the context of uh, master data management solutions and data quality solutions how, how does Claire's ability to analyze those data patterns assist in, in identifying those quality issues and then making sure that it's, you know, that it is accurate, that it is consistent? Sure. 
and then we'll, we'll start with the generative AI part and then go into more, uh, uh, yeah. more details of this as well. We looked at what is generative AI good for today and, and maybe how, how it will become, uh, how it will change within the next six months because predicting mm-hmm. any, any uh, time frame beyond six months is becoming more and more challenging nowadays with the new stuff arriving in generative AI at very fast pace. So generative AI today, good at summarization, code generation, doing tasks rather than jobs, uh, right? And there is limited reasoning capabilities that we are starting to see emerge. What is it bad at? It is bad at planning things, bad at consistently doing one task in the same way that it was doing before, core Mm -hmm. mathematics, also PR, right? Uh, You know, while it is bad at all these things, people are convinced that (laughs) it will be the end of us, uh, right? So uh, so definitely needs a better uh, PR. We want to use generative AI um, and organizations want to use generative AI uh, so that it complements all the different uh, data assets that uh, they have gathered, that we have gathered uh, as well. Um, For most organizations, generative AI is the top of mind, uh, uh, right? And you can't do generative AI without you have good data uh, to go with it, uh, right? Uh, and, And that includes the quality problem that you described. Like if if I'm getting uh, a lot of sensor data, but a particular thing is is going wrong because of which one particular dimension is not coming, it's it's all null. Then um, if we try to train the AI with uh, that sensor data, it will not function well. That is understood. But at the same time, there is also data privacy challenges. Uh, these, uh, These large language models are basically compressed data in uh, uh, you know in, in a format uh, that allows it to do reasoning but once a large language model knows a certain fact it's very very difficult for us to make it forget it so if a sensitive data fact goes into a large language model gaurav pathak salary or or something else it, it's hard uh, for it to forget that and somebody asking that question will will get to know that fact uh, uh, right so yep. <laughs> So being able to make sure that your data does not contain uh, that sensitive information, not only for yourselves, but your customers' sensitive data, that has become top of mind uh, uh, Mm. for organizations as well. And then all the uh, uh, governance-related capabilities of, oh, the training data should be bias-free. We we need to make sure that uh, all the training data's um, lineage is established. Who is the owner? Where did this data come from? Who is responsible for freshness of this data, etc. So all of these are key important facets that we're looking at uh, from Informatica. We're looking at, uh, you know, data quality has been... uh, a mainstay uh, at what we have done since the last 20 years, but we have seen a revival in interest in data quality uh, over the last one and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people want to be able to create data quality rules, some by hand, some wanting AI to create it for them. We support both of those uh, modalities. And data privacy, we acquired a company called Privitar um, in mm-hmm. uh, Actually, uh, maybe one and a half months ago, uh, that's where we announced it. And, and we are now looking at integrating some of those capabilities that I was talking mm. about, removing sensitive data from unstructured text and, and, and uh, being able to create policies for access management uh, will be key. And then data governance as well. So all of this will become 
center stage in the generative AI world, Mike. And I think more and more interest mm. in the next few months. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, certainly there was a time when we spent a lot of time talking about master data management and data quality, but then it seems like over the years, we haven't really focused around that. But now with that explosion of, you know, generative AI type solutions, it really does highlight the the importance of that and, the, and ensuring that the quality is there, but then also ensuring that the right things are in the right place in your business and that the things don't cross and get in the wrong place, right? So it's it's extremely important from a governance perspective. So that's that's great. Um, <clears throat> so you talked about one acquisition that you've just done. And, and so that makes me think about, um, you know, where do you think this is going? So what's, what do you think the future for Claire is like uh, new features, integrations maybe? Um, and then also just as a second question, what do you think is happening from an AI machine learning perspective that could also add a lot of new capabilities um, or enhance, you know, some of the current capabilities uh, in, in the offering over the next couple of years? Sure. Um, for us, uh, our vision for Claire GPT uh, includes uh, Claire GPT becoming the, uh, the de facto interface from which all data and data management tasks start whether I'm asking a data exploration question, what was my product's revenue in quarter three, uh, to um, being able to create data pipelines, creating data quality mm -hmm. rules. For us, that to be the front and center interface for intelligent data management cloud, uh, right, allowing you to create first drafts of your data management artifacts and then going to the individual tools to perfect it, tinker mm -hmm. with it. We want it to have... Um, um, runtime and FinOps capabilities, uh, being mm -hmm. able to understand what's uh, what are the different uh, decisions to optimize when you're doing uh, when you're creating a data management artifact. So you can create a data pipeline in a way in which you get the best performance, uh, mm -hmm. right? But it may be it may come at a very high cost, uh, you know, because you are optimizing uh, performance at that scale. Or you may want to optimize cost for it. You're you're okay if it runs the entire weekend, and on Monday you get a, a, a good report. Uh, so so you're not uh, should come at low cost. So being able to take those kind of human preferences um, and uh, create generate the data management artifacts uh, mm. based on that, and then uh, of course expand on all these um, uh, you know for for each of these different capabilities that we have in intelligent data management cloud making clear gpt the de facto assistant the the jarvis to the iron man mm. uh, uh, where you are able to uh, ask it to do things and it's able to do a lot of what you want on its own uh, and and then being able to then you can provide the right guidance to finish the task um, like in master data management, um, we acquired another company that was in 2020. Um, it, it was a company called GreenBait. It was, uh, it was out of University of Madison, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. uh, and then provided us AI-based entity matching capabilities. Allowed us to figure out in really large data sets what two entities are the same, deduplication and, and, and things like that. And we have since then integrated that technology into our intelligent data management cloud already available. But then from Claire GPT being able to say, okay, this is the data set, go ahead and remove all uh, duplicates from it mm. and making it as easy as that. Uh, right? So that's where we want to take Claire GPT. Uh, being the data assistant, 
comprehensively address all the different data management uh, capabilities that we have in intelligent um, uh, data management cloud, being the front and center place for starting data management tasks as well. Sure. Now that uh, that that's uh, very interesting, and certainly, you know, I, as I as I've learned about different offerings from different companies, this idea of transitioning to the natural uh, in a interface or user experience is a powerful one, and I think uh, an exciting one. Uh, and and if you're an old school Star Trek uh, fan, you know the. The, the episode where they go back in time to the earth and Scotty's talking to the, the computer mouse and he's very frustrated. It seems like we're finally now going to get to the point where we can talk to the computers and, and uh, have them respond and, uh, and, and do things for us, which is pretty amazing, actually. So. Uh, it is. And then to me, that directed data, I think, was the personification of, uh, you know, all things uh, uh, you know, structured that it understood and was able to take the right decisions. Uh, so, yeah. so yes, uh, old school Star Trek for sure. Exciting stuff. Well, that, that's all the time we have today. So, first of all, I really thank you, Gaurav, for for, uh, for joining me today and and helping us understand a bit more about data and data quality and data management. Pretty exciting times there. Uh, but before I let you go, one of the things that I like to ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, is could you recommend somebody, um, a thought leader, an author, some mentor that's you know influenced your career that you think would be uh, important for the audience to uh, to, to be exposed to, um, and, and you know that they could learn from? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and and uh, since we're talking about AI, I'll I'll, I'll talk about a few uh, few folks in this area who are, do, who are doing a really good job. In uh, I, I I think. Uh, as we were talking about earlier, there are a lot of uh, naysayers about AI. So, so one of the voices of reason I find uh, in all of this noise is uh, Jan Lidikun. He, he he is uh, uh, you know head of AI research at uh, Meta, and mm. uh, uh, you know he's responsible for some of the open source uh, large language models like Llama two and, and and others. I, I I think he has a very good balanced take on um, mm. what AI can do for us and uh, dangers of AI uh, as well. Uh, along with him, uh, there are a lot of uh, people in the open source world who are doing a really great job in um, mm. making AI available to a lot of us. One of them is, uh, you know, this, um, this I'll, I'll call him a hacker, uh, Gregory, uh, Georgi Greganov, uh, and then he has this... Uh, uh, he, he has this tool called Llama.cpp, which basically quantizes, quantizes these large language models mm. and allows you to run it on your MacBooks. Um, <laughs> and he's, uh, he has done a great job um, uh, you know, over the past few years to making this uh, possible. And then on AI applications side, uh, Andre Karpathy, who's um, uh, you know, an uh, ex-Tesla, uh, right? Mm. And uh, he has done a lot of AI applications and a lot of AI teachings as well. All, all these three people and the open source community supporting uh, all the work that they have done. I think uh, we have them to thank for all the good things we've seen in AI. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I just want to thank you again for joining. Uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, very educational. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me. And that's the show for this week. Thank you all for joining. Remember to hit that subscribe button. And for more on AI and other software research reports and posts, check out the arianresearch.com slash blog and slash research reports. And don't forget to join us next week.
I'm Michael Fawcett, and this is the Disambiguation Podcast.